Welcome back to episode five of the LA Countdown. I'm your host, Ava Brand. With me is Will Simons. Will, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited. This is, I'm assuming, going to be our season finale. Potentially, yeah. We got finals coming up, so TBD. But yeah, we got a good show for you today in the finale. Looking at our list, I will say it's a lot of football and basketball. Mm-hmm. Actually, just football and basketball, <laughs> yeah. but uh, that's the way it goes sometimes. So let's just hop right into it, get into the countdown who do you have at number three this week i'm going with the los angeles rams now yes they're currently on a three-game skid with losses to the titans 49ers and packers um and really none of those games were that particularly close either no win november yes exactly um i believe all those games are at least two score uh games um And, you know, this offense looks pretty stagnant. Um, There's some uh, ankle injury concerns for Matthew Stafford. He's been struggling the past couple of weeks. Um, And the loss of Robert Woods, I think, has really limited um, the offensive possibilities for this team, you know, with Sean McVay. Um, You know, even after signing Odell Beckham Jr., you know, one of the um, more well-known receivers in the NFL, it's it, it this offense feels very stagnant just because what woods allowed them to do in terms of being able to come out of the backfield and um uh, uh give this uh, offense more creativity i don't think uh odell beckham jr quite uh provides that for this team so i think um whether it's you know maybe transitioning cooper cup into that sort of more versatile role and um and just, I guess, the acclimation of OBJ. Yeah. Um, Maybe could, time may help with that. But yeah. still, you know, they came off a bye week. and Agreed. He didn't. Yeah. There wasn't anything that special against the Packers when they For had sure. that bye week to figure things out. And I think that's the most concerning part of it is that, yeah, you had two weeks to prepare for a Packers defense that, to be fair, is performing very well this season. But And, you know, they, did, they were able to score against um, them putting up 28 points but it still feels like there's some bigger issues at hand for this Rams team um you know we've talked about on this podcast sort of the depth concerns on the defensive side behind obviously they have two really good defensive players in Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey but behind that teams have been able to exploit their linebackers um other defensive backs um so this Sunday against the Jaguars that'll be important sort of reset game this Jaguars team is struggling a lot <laughs> yeah this season. reset game I like it came and at and, a good time and the Rams have shown that they can beat up on bad teams but unfortunately to end the season they have to face Arizona who's currently got the best record in the NFL Seattle who's a team that's struggling but also Minnesota Baltimore and then the Niners again to end the season Minnesota and Baltimore on the road also exactly and the Niners have already you know beat up the Rams um in uh San Francisco so that game in LA will be an important game that I actually think could determine a playoff spot for either team I I think there's a very good chance that that game will be a uh loser goes home game um so uh but you have to remember, there's still such a high ceiling for this team. Um, they put so much draft capital um, into a season that kind of feels like an all-in um, type of year for the Rams. Um, you know, I mentioned Cooper Cup. He's the likely front runner for Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, he's he's insane. leading the NFL in literally every single receiving <laughs> category. It is insane. Um, but I think the question that the Rams are going to solve for us is: Can three of the top, you know, maybe ten to fifteen players in the NFL this season? Um, in Ramsey Cup and uh, Donald, can that 
can just three players carry a team in the playoffs? Football is the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. And Both sides I, of the ball. I'm curious to see how well the, the elite talent in certain spots can match up against a team with a lot more depth. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned can a top three te- or top three players carry a team into the playoffs because for my number three team, I'm wondering the same thing. The L.A. Lakers, you know, they're six in the Western Conference right now, so they likely will make a spot. They're pretty much the definition of average. They're 12 and 11 at the time of recording this. Uh, big game tomorrow against the Clippers, Battle of L.A., who are also doing mediocre this season. I don't know about you, but personally, just backtracking a second, these number three spots weren't super tough to get it, it's into. It's a rough week. It's a yeah. rough week for with, LA. with you know a lot of um, sort of fall college sports coming to an end. Where we are, uh, yeah, it's been a tough. Yeah, week. <laughs> but back to the Lakers. Uh, they're six in the Western Conference. You know, since the last time we recorded this, they've only had three losses. One bad to Boston. I'll give anyone that. That was a bad loss. Um, they couldn't over, overcome a bad first quarter and another loss to the Knicks. And then they had that three time overtime or three overtime loss to the Sacramento Kings, who or who also aren't a great team. But they the Lakers also had the ball to end the fourth quarter and I believe the first overtime and the second overtime and weren't able to do anything. LeBron just loved LeBron, but he just chucked up a couple threes and I'm it's not my favorite thing. Uh, I think they should really stick to more of their offense in those situations. Still, you know, don't need to be a hero. Just get the win and people will be happier with you. Um, but still, after that three overtime lost, overtime lost, they traveled to Sacramento uh, Tuesday night and beat them by 25 without LeBron. Uh, Monk had a great game, was really f- great off the bench for the team. Um so just in general, I think they're kind of starting to find their footing a little bit more. To be fair, Anthony Davis, uh, Westbrook, and LeBron haven't had a ton of time to play together, so they're still probably figuring out that chemistry. And thankfully, thankfully for the Lakers, the NBA season is a bit longer than the NFL season, um, so they should be able to de- develop that chemistry over time. Um, and just in general, too, Westbrook's doing a better job of eliminating his toner turnovers, which I think is really crucial because that's kind of the big knock on him. You know, it's flashy style of play, but is it effective in wins? We don't know. We'll see. And Anthony Anthony Davis is also averaging a double-double. And Carmelo Anthony has kind of cooled off within the past recent weeks, but is still maybe a six-man candidate off the bench for the team, which is pretty great to see, I think. Yeah, I, th- I th- you mentioned Malik Monk. I think he's going to have to be a player that steps up. You know, you mentioned how Kamaru Anthony is um, cooling off, and uh, Malik Monk has actually been pretty good lately, uh, sort of in his place. Uh, he's had 17 or more points in three of his last four games. Um, I, I think, you know, you mentioned, like, obviously there's as good of a big three as any in the league um, that the Lakers have. But behind that, there's gonna be have to uh, there's gonna have to be guys that step up, whether it's Taylor Horton Tucker, Monk, yep. uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony can have good games, but he's still inconsistent. Um, yeah, Avery Bradley too needs yes, to. Yes, and I, I would say also on the defensive end because the Lakers are still a bottom five defensive team. In the yeah, NBA. they they yeah really... with Anthony Davis and Avery Bradley, you really gotta exactly. So I I'm I'm curious to see how. I, I don't really have as much doubts about the the offensive sort of ceiling of this team, but I do think this defense could really 
um, hold this team back in the end. For sure. Uh, we're staying on the basketball court, this time at the college level. Mm -hmm. Narrows it down a bit. Um, Who do you have at number two? Yeah, USC basketball looks very, very good. I got to agree with you on that I, one. I, They're I, my number two as well. Yeah, I, I think this team is really just as good as last year. Obviously, you know, you lose Evan Mobley, but I really think Boogie Ellis has uh, stepped up as sort of a, an improvement at the point guard position, you know, after the loss of Tajidi as well. Um, you know, that's really funny you mentioned that because just this morning I was really, I thought, I was like, this USC team might be, I won't, I won't say better than last season because mm -hmm. obviously it's a young season so far, but they're, I mean, if they played against this this season's team versus last season's team, it'd definitely be a close game, even though with the loss of Evan Mobley. For sure. Yeah, um, yeah, and that showed in the dominant win last night against Utah. And Boogie Ellis was right at the middle of it. Um, he's been the, one of the most impactful transfers in college basketball so far since um, coming over from Memphis. Um, he's averaging over 15 points a game. He's shooting almost 45% from three. Yeah, um, I think he's a big reason for it why i think this usc team is exactly maybe better maybe more well-rounded exactly. than last season I, I i would definitely agree i think he you know i mentioned taj Edi. i think he he does a lot of the same things that ed can do but i also think he's just more dynamic of a scorer he can go mm -hmm. and create his own shot a little bit more um well than uh ed and that like i said that showed last night he had 19 points four assists he was four of seven from three he had a couple of uh, plays, uh, you know, breakaway dunks, uh, uh, step back threes that just electrified the Galen yeah. Center. Yeah, I was going to say, he feeds off the energy very he well. He does. He plays it, to the crowd. He showed last night, too, when uh, Utah started to kind of crawl back into the game that he can he would get subbed in, get a couple baskets here and there, mm -hmm. and really uh, got the Trojans back on the path so he can be the guy that can stop another team's momentum, which I think is huge. Yeah. And, um, you know, we talked about the loss of Evan Mobley, but his brother Isaiah Mobley's improved a lot since mm -hmm. last year. And he's really filled, uh, filled the role that um, his brother sort of left uh, in his departure. Um, last night, he had a career game, 21 points, 13 rebounds, um, setting or tying career highs in both on 8 of 14 shooting. And I, I really think that the main strength of this USC defense is in its defense, or in, in this USC team is its defense. Yes. Um, Ken Palm, uh, which is a college basketball ranking system, one of the more trusted um, out there, um, he has the USC defense ranked eighth in the country. Um, and e that's even with the loss of Mobley, who is a really elite defender in the paint. Um, uh, U USC is fourth in the nation in rebounds per game. Chavez Goodwin has also stepped up in the loss of um, Evan Mobley. Yeah, he, I've been really surprised by his performance. This I, yeah, I've I've really fallen in love with his offensive rebounding. He's mm -hmm. so fun to watch on the offensive boards. Um, and um, but I I really think one of the main things that we'll still um, need to look out for on this team is a consistent third score. I think that was the main issue for this team last season. Because, you know, Edie and Evan Mobley would always get theirs. But I, I, I think what could hold this team back at times would be after those two, what, who else could step up? And it, it, it kind of rotated, but sometimes there just wasn't that consistent third scorer. So I think whether it's Drew Peterson, who's had a slow start to the season, just one of 10 from three um, so far, whether it's Goodwin, who's 
got limited shooting range. He's also only shooting 31% from free throw line. I'll get into more of that later. Um, <laughs> uh, Ethan Anderson actually has been really good off the bench and uh, sort of a, uh, as a role player, um, sort of a backup point guard to um, Boogie Ellis. He's shooting 52.6% from three early on. And Max Agbonpolo, I've really been impressed yeah, by so far. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of these guys step up, which is awesome. Yeah, he, he's gotten a couple of starts so far this season. Last night, he um, started at the small forward position. He had 16-4, and four, including a couple alley-oops um, from Ellis. Um, but I'll get back to the free-throw shooting. That could limit this team down the stretch. Um, they're shooting 57.4% from the free-throw line. That's fifth worst in the country. And what's ironic about that is that Indy Infield, I don't know if you know this, but he is the all-time Division III NCAA record holder in career free throw percentage. Really? I find that so bizarre. that They must be shooting free throws after every practice. I, I don't know what's wrong with it because you, you would think that Indy Infield knows how to teach people to shoot free throws or help gain his team gain confidence at the line but there's something wrong with this team's approach at the line I, I don't know what it is but that's something that has to improve because um that's got to improve because yeah it, that's, that could that will cost I mean, this team yeah you games get deep into point. tournament games and it becomes a foul game tic-tac sure. fouls and, and yeah and when you know as we dive deeper into pac-12 play i mean against a team like UCLA, I'm, they're going to have to be more efficient at the free throw line. So that's going to be an important thing to watch out for if USC can improve in that standpoint. For sure. I also have uh, USC basketball at my number two. I think that number or 20-point win to open up Pac-12 play last night was huge, probably a big confidence booster. Not that they need one. I mean, they're, what, 7-0, and one of there's 18 or 15 now, undefeated 15 teams. under yeah. teams left in uh NCAA basketball, they're one of them. So I think they're just playing great. And you mentioned their defense. Uh, Drew Peterson, while he is having his offensive struggles, you got to give it to him on the defensive end, especially against SDSU. It was amazing. He um, SDSU's lead scorer, Matt Bradley, averaging about 13 points per game. Uh, he was held to one of seven on his field goals for three points against Drew Peterson. And then another example, St. Joe's Jordan Hall is averaging 12.8 points per game, was held to only two points on one of 12 shooting against Peterson. So he's really uh, showing that he could be somewhat of an anchor for that defense too. Like we kind of talked about the Lakers need, maybe they need Drew Peterson. Um, <laughs> but seriously, he's uh, the USC defense is, I think, really separating them from other teams. And you mentioned eighth ranked according to Ken Palm. Um, the, yeah, against SDSU, too. SDSU was averaging 66.4 points per game before they played USC, and USC held them to 43. That's 20 or 23 less than their season average, which I think is amazing. Um, so USC basketball is just really, once they figure out, once they get that reliable third score, um, get their free throws locked in, I think we'll see them start to win by even greater margins. Um and I think they're just, they're doing well. They're off to a great start. Yeah, and I think you could almost argue that that San Diego State win was even more of a confidence booster than last night against Utah just because it showed that this team can win ugly games. Yeah. I mean, they shot 42% from the, uh, uh, sh shot 42 from the field, 
uh, 28% from three in that game, just six of 18 at the free throw line. Yeah, it was a slow start that game. And they won by 15. Yeah. <laughs> like, th- this defense can is such a high ceiling, um, uh, especially in the paint. They can limit teams so well there. Um, I mean, when you have a guy like Drew Peterson who can defend the two at 6'9", that just increases your defensive possibilities so much. And I really like the um, versatility that Andy Anfield has with this team. So I, I, I really think that, yeah, the, this like I said, this defensive um, side of this team is really its strength. Yeah, they also jumped up to uh, number 20 in the rankings. You know, I believe they started the season unranked. I mean, just yeah, outside of the top 25, but still they're up to 20. Uh, but there is another basketball team in L.A. who is ranked higher than 20. Who do you have at your number, Will? Or at your number one, Will? Yeah, it's it's UCLA basketball. They they had a rough loss to Gonzaga, but they're still a really talented team. Uh, they're, they're still the favorites in the Pac-12. Um, last night to open Pac-12 play, they beat Colorado 73-61. to um, And that was despite uh, an early injury um, after just he was in the game for just seven minutes, Jaime Hawkes Jr. Um, that's going to be an important injury to monitor um, as he's a guy that ranks top three on the team in points, rebounds, and assists per game. Um, but in his place, Tiger Campbell, um, who's one of the more dynamic point guards in the Pac-12, he had 21.7 rebounds, five assists. Um, he's a small guy. He's not the most, he's not the fastest. He's not the, you know, he doesn't have crazy hops like Boogie Ellis, but he he just gets things done. Um, and they also had uh, 12 points, 10 rebounds from Rutgers transfer Miles Johnson, another big transfer um, to the Pac-12. Um, and with Cody uh, center Cody Riley out, um, Cody Riley missed uh, much of the uh, towards the end of the season um, for uh, UCLA last year, and I think that sort of um, limited their possibilities inside. Um, but Miles Johnson, especially on the defensive end, really helps them, and that'll be important against um, a USC team whose strength is inside, um, especially when uh, Cody Riley uh, gets back, maybe even be able to play both of those guys at the same time. Um, by the time Riley's back, uh, you know USC and UCLA play twice in the their final six games of the Pac-12 season. Those inside matchups, Chavez Goodwin and Isaiah Mobley versus Cody Riley and Miles Johnson, are going to be very fun to watch. Um, and you know we talked about how good the USC uh, defense is. UCLA offense is just as good. Seventh ranked offense uh, according to Ken Palm. Um, they're like uh, USC, they don't turn the ball over a lot on offense, and they're also a very good rebounding team. Um, and Johnny Juzang is still one of the high-end candidates for Naismith Player of the Year. He can score. Um, his mid-range shot is just so deadly. I don't know how he does it, but he sh- <laughs> it feels like every single time. Is crucial for basketball. He, he just goes yeah. in every time, and uh, he, he's just so consistent from that range. I, I, I think that... Um, y- y- UCLA's preseason or uh, non-conference schedule has definitely been a little bit tougher than USC's, so I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt from uh, after uh, lost to Gonzaga. But I still think um, they're they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, I mean that loss to Gonzaga though, twenty points. That's pretty big. I know when you're the number two ranked team playing against the number one, should be a little bit closer. But one game is one game. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to watch UCLA basketball a ton this season, but when I do, besides that Gonzaga game, they've really shown that they can uh, take the momentum 
that they had last season. And, yeah. You know, it's pretty crazy still that they were barely made the NCAA tournament and they're the number, what are they, five ranked team now? Uh, yeah, number five so. ranked team. Um, so I'm, I'm, that's, I'm a little skeptical about that. Still not completely sold on them. Um, I think the matchups between um, Arizona, UCLA, USC, UCLA will be huge just to see, assess the Pac-12, assess teams against one another. But I think it's also great because they'll get that experience before making the tournament, um, which can really help them yeah. later down the road mm-hmm. when they get to those tougher tournament yeah, games. Yeah, and then UCLA also still has to play North Carolina, who just beat Michigan by 20 last night. So that'll be another good non-conference game to look out for um, for UCLA to sort of gauge where they're going to be heading into Pac-12 play. And uh, when Pac-12 play kicks off again, uh, they play Arizona right away, December 30th um, uh, at Poly Pavilion. So that'll be a good game to watch. Yeah, that'll be... Mark that one on your calendar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can't go through this podcast without mentioning the biggest sports news, maybe in the U.S., definitely in college football. Lincoln Riley coming to USC. I have USC football at my number one uh, for a couple of reasons, but it's got to be Lincoln Riley at the top. I mean, his impact already. He was hired Sunday afternoon already. uh He's brought Malachi Nelson, a five-star quarterback for the 2023 class, number two ranked quarterback, only behind Arch Manning, or number two ranked player and quarterback, only behind Arch Manning um, from Los Al, coming to USC now, decommitted from Oklahoma to USC. Another ride receiver, another player from Los Al, Makai Lemon, um, also decommitted from OU. I believe he's announcing where he's committing today. I believe it's really? at 1 o'clock. I'm I think uh, Relique right Brown now. is also announcing at 1 p.m., I think. Um, yes. Let's have uh, a They might check. both be. <laughs> Maybe. See, if they're both doing it, like, come on. It's going to be <laughs> USC at 1 p.m. Um, We're recording this just after 11.30, so. Yes. TBD. But, yes. But, I mean, the chances they're coming to USC, I would say 99%. It's um, very high, yeah. So I think just bringing in Lincoln Riley, like to have to go to be going through a coaching search at the same time as LSU and some of these other bigger schools in the SEC and to come away with Lincoln Riley to a USC football program that's kind of at a low point in its history. You know, Riley did mention that it's had it's one of the best histories in college football, but they're definitely at a low point right now. I mean, they're going to go five and seven, maybe or four and seven. Four uh, and eight. Uh, Four and seven currently with a game against Cal. So five and seven or four and eight. Um, They're just not performing well. But I think the Lincoln-Riley impact we're already seeing is crazy. I think it'll be huge for the culture of USC. I think he's establishing a really uh, high expectation and already on the recruiting trail. So the next couple of weeks will be interesting for USC football with early signing day coming up uh, December 15th. Um, But aside from Lincoln-Riley... The game against the game Saturday against BYU, I think that was maybe the first time this season outside of uh, the Washington State game that I saw the USC football team play with some energy, and they had a, it seemed like they had a reason for playing. They weren't just going through the motions, um, weren't missing tackles. I mean, they they were missing tackles, but you know what I mean. They were playing with passion. The energy just felt different in the Coliseum, even though it was. There were a lot of BYU fans there, and this team still battled against uh, a then number 13, now number 12 ranked BYU team. 
And, you know, maybe it was a bad play call by Graham Harrell on that fourth and six, uh, but they were one yard short of extending that drive and potentially winning the game. Uh, that would have been huge for this team. Just, I mean, they could have still been bowl eligible. Um, you know, that I think just that game, it just felt that that's the Coliseum felt different that that game than the rest of the season than in a long time honestly yeah no that game definitely felt like a confidence builder especially um just in the young players that stepped up obviously jackson dart had um a really solid game 23 of 35 for 248 yards a touchdown he also ran for a touchdown in 28 yards um but also on the receiving end tight end lake mccree yeah he really he had stepped a up. really good game um definitely his best game of his young trojan career he obviously he's just a freshman and also gary bryant has shown that he can be a number one target for usc um he had a huge game against ucla especially in the second half um he followed that up against byu with 56 yards on five catches for a touchdown um i i really like his potential as a deep threat um, especially in Lincoln Riley's offense, who has produced some good young receivers. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, if Riley can continue to develop Dart, I think Bryant will definitely benefit from that. I do think he has the potential to um, climb with him. Uh, yeah, if Riley can develop Dart, come on, I think he's he's proven he can we, develop we, we, quarterbacks. Yes, we, we won't, <laughs> nothing's a sure thing. Um, Nothing is a sure thing, yeah, that's true. I, I was on scoreboard with... Um, Will, Sam, and Eli uh, earlier this week. So we definitely dove in much deeper into the Lincoln Riley news, what that means. So if you want to uh, listen to more about that, definitely check that out. Um, but I, the main sentiment that I had was just kind of disbelief. I mean, I, I did not think Lincoln Riley was even an option for USC. The fact that they did this also with like no source leaking it. And it felt so spontaneous as well. I mean, the way yeah. Riley described it, you know, who knows if this is completely true, but it, he made it seem like all this happened in the span of maybe seven or eight hours, if not yeah. a little bit less. I'm a little iffy on that. But you, I mean, he's saying that, but yes, I'm like, exactly. that, but it's just it, mind-blowing. It, it, and it is really is a testament to Mike Bone, who last night at the um, uh, USC-Utah basketball game got a standing ovation from uh, students. So um, it, it definitely just the overall vibe on campus has changed in the last few days since Lincoln Riley has been hired. And yeah, it just... USC football all of a sudden has a promise that hasn't been seen since maybe for Pete sure. Carroll. Yeah, which is it feels kind like of crazy they're on the about. map again. Yes, precisely. Precisely. Well, we will have to see what USC football can get done under Lincoln Riley until next season, uh, except for the recruiting trail in the next couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. So. Um, Based on our top ones, we got to see, wait until next semester, see what happens mm -hmm. for UCLA basketball, USC basketball, USC football, uh, the Rams, Lakers, everything. Next semester will be very interesting for LA sports, so make sure you tune in, tune into LA Countdown. I'm Ava Brand. I'm Will Simons. Thank you so much for listening with us this semester.